round. Dickheads. Never crossed my mind. <laughs> no more crazy talk. No more crazy talk. Right, I'll try not to. No more crazy talk, Joel. Heard enough <laughs> yeah. of your, your theories about all these different things. Anyway, welcome to Practical Shooting After Dark. Yeah, we're back. It's time. <laughs> 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 uh, on deck tonight, Mr. Park. Uh, hello, everyone. Mr. Kim. Hello. And Mr. Hopkins. It is hello. fantastic to be back, guys. Well, you know the deal. Everybody comes here with a topic, something they want to talk about. And, uh, you know, I think I'll go first. I feel like going first tonight. Good. Tell me more. Motivated, energized. Uh, I did something never before done in uh, the classes. So, um, as you, the audience probably knows, I spent a substantial portion of my time <laughs> giving, uh, giving shooting classes. Uh, but there's been a problem this year, uh, which is uh, nobody has any fucking ammo. So, uh, heard about that. Yeah. So, uh, I just did a, a week long kind of a training engagement, a bunch of different classes, and uh, we used the lowest amount of ammo I've ever used in these classes. I mean, ever. So, uh, what happened is the organizer kind of got together with the students, uh, came up with a, a number, like a reduced number uh, uh, of ammunition, and uh, yeah, I had to restructure my my classes and and make it work with less ammo. So normally. Uh, you guys have well we've all we've all done courses or something normally people use 1400 ish 1200 1400 rounds in a two-day class if it's a smaller advanced class i've had people use as much as 1500 or maybe 1800 if they want to they'd use as much yeah. as 1800 rounds over two days uh so guess how many rounds uh we used in the course guys 600 800 I don't think it was quite, I, 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 I targeted 700. I think we got it down to about 700, 800 for a two day course. So, you know, a lot less than the normal. That is a lot less. So the way, the way that it restructured it was putting in way more dry fire. So mm -hmm. we'd explain a concept or a drill. And instead of like doing it live fire three times, four times and do it dry fire and then demonstrating how the dry fire works and encouraging people to dry fire. That's what I normally do. It's like, here's this drill. Here's a way to do it dry. We're going to shoot live ammo on it. And people can kind of do as much as work as much as they want. Mm -hmm. Now it was, here's this drill. I made everybody systematically. We're going through it dry. And then we do it live. And then do it dry again. And then maybe do it live again. So it kind of take up the same amount of time, but use about half the ammo. If this is making sense mm -hmm. to everybody. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Uh, what was the, uh, what the well, students here. think on it? Well, here, here's here's why I'm headed to my, my observations. I think the students, uh, realistically, they didn't they didn't seem unhappy. Like they didn't seem like they wanted to shoot more or whatever. It seemed okay, but but my read on it was that people got about as much out of it. I mean, learning wise, they got about as much out of it as they would. And they shot less ammo for sure. So maybe maybe they didn't have as much fun, but. Uh, in terms of results, as far as like people taking on board concepts, I think they got they got a lot out of it. And I will say that I really liked having a line or a few guys doing a drill dry, and I could keep keep having them do repetitions. And it was nice and quiet and easy to give feedback and easy to kind of see how the gun was moving around. So, for example, doing dry movements from one spot to another, that sort of a thing. Uh, I liked that people. Did it dry? I had them do it dry a bunch before I, they even used a bullet on it. Because really, how much do you really need to shoot to kind of work out, you know, the moving around? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you think well, it also isolates it too because they don't have to worry much about like 
pulling the trigger as much as like leaving aggressively or how they set up for stuff too is what I've what I've seen from my own classes anyway. Yeah, so uh, I was pleased. I have to say, I was pleased with the result results. Like it was an objectively, it was that it was a good thing. It was it was it was a good thing to have people do a lot more dry fire, maybe shoot a little less. It it worked out pretty well. So I was I was pleased with it. Good. I have a question. So yeah. would you say your curriculum stayed the same? The time ratio, each technique stayed the same? Yes, it did. So I spent about the same amount of time on the same concepts. It just, uh, you know, it was just more dry repetition, that sort of thing. Um, Very nice. The other thing I've noticed is sometimes I think people waste ammo because you're like, we're doing, let's say you're doing accelerator and they draw and then maybe they would shoot like, six shots and they would just stop and it's like no no you reload and you should should be like oh yeah yeah that's right and it's like well that was kind of like not what we we're looking for so i think making them do it dry a bit also before they do the drill is good because then they make sure yeah, they no. know what's going on so that's normally a thing where it's like hey do it dry before it but it was uh i did it very systematically where like i would make sure that everybody was on a like on a line being forced to do it like with me in control of the repetition and that kind of stuff that's rather awesome. than kind of informally having them do it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, that's what I got. Um, Mr. Hopkins, what do you want to talk about? So I have a topic on? that's kind of burning the internet up, up right now, right? So everybody is saying production is declining, and everybody is suggesting we go to a higher capacity on production division. So we've okay. all shot production for quite a while, right? We all have lots of experience with it. So what do you guys think? I have some opinions. Like, I th most people are talking either move it to 15 rounds to be in line with IPSC, or move it to whatever fits in the mag flush, or move it to 140. I like so 15. You like 15, okay. It's time to fight for 15, guys. What? So I'm going to be devil's advocate. Why 15 over 10? Oh, um... Honestly, the way the stages are built now, it's fucking lame. Like, 10 rounds is lame now. Is it? Yeah, it's lame. I think high, uh, 15 might be just, I mean, uh, talk a little crazy. 15 might be just as lame with some of the stages, but I like the idea of production 15. Well, I should back up a little bit. Uh, messing around with the carry optics gun a bit was fun because I basically, with production, I, like, run to a spot, and I'm either shooting or loading the gun. That seemed like it was all I was doing. And with a high-cap gun, it was fun because I could like shoot into a position and be backing out and then like just move my gun to the next position and shoot into that one. And that was really fun. Something I honestly, I don't know that I've ever done in a match uh, as long as I've been shooting. Cause I've always shot, you know, 10 round guns. So that was actually really fun because the stages were fun to maybe attack a little bit more, even with minor, as opposed to just go there and it's like, well, there's really no incentive to back out because I'm only going to go a few steps and I'm shooting eight shots. My gun's got 10 plus ones. So I've got to load anyway. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm on the same page. And also, of course, the things you guys mentioned already, like unifying as an IPSC rule and also stage, a lot more interesting. Another thing I really like about if we go to 15 is that there's already other two divisions other than production has 10 rounds, uh, at least popular to have 10 rounds in single stack minor and L10. There's an another division that has 10. And 15 rounds, like I said, like Ben said, it's just stages are making more sense and it's making uh, the strategies more broad. And I think uh, some of the matches, of course, some matches are more geared towards PCC maybe, 
some matches are more prone to open. And I think just basically having 15 rounds, it's kind of a, uh, you can go to a match that really spe specifically designed for lower cap or high cap. I think it's a good mixture to shoot both characteristics of stage designs or match, match characteristics with a 15 rounds. It's very flexible. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you think, Matt? I'm I'm torn still. Like I think ten. No, you should be. No, you I should be. It's like we should be reluctant to change these rules and have yeah, a lot of discussions. I, I really about... am. I don't think we should change them yet. Well, I what, think what, ten what, rounds what, is a what stable. What would be the like... triggering point to change it? Like, at what point would we change it? I don't. I don't know exactly. A lot. Some people are talking about like if you see a decline in like the participation. What is when it in, that should trigger it? But I hate the that USPSA board crap. is not going to do anything. God, man, the USPSA, like, uh, like the, the the establishment there, they have everybody's heads all fucked up with these like participation numbers and everything. We should just set the rules to be sensible, yeah. you know. And I'm, I'm sure the participation will be fine. I think yeah. ten round, the lower limit on it is a is like one of the main factors of production. Like that makes it a thing. Like you have to be good with reload. You have to be good with stage breakdown. I haven't shot production for basically a year now, so I don't think stages have changed that much, but they might have. So I honestly think minor stockish looking guns and 10 round capacity are the three things that set production apart from every other division. Okay, now I'll say this. I like 10 round production fine, but not on the stages people are building. Just don't, I mean... I just don't like it as much. It's like it's. I mean, we should have better stages. We should have more interesting stages, but uh, but but we don't. You know, it's just the way it is. I mean, people want to make uh, a bunch of you know thirty-two round stages or thirty-round stages, and not you know like the ten-round production thing plays better if the match has more balance. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, over here in the northwest. Pacific Northwest, you can go five matches per month, and every every matches actually depends on the the venue, depends on the range. They have their own characteristics. So this club, for example, was a lot of the head uh, the head members, board members are PCC shooters, and this club there's like a lot of the open shooters, and this club there's a lot of low cap, like the one that's very close to the border may. You know, a lot of the Canadians come down too, so there are more 10 rounds. So it depends on which match you go. Production can be really disastrous or down down to the point where it's just boring because there's so much things that 10 rounds is just so miserable to shoot. And yeah. I think that's pretty common many ways. Do you ways. think that's a shift in, like it didn't used to be this way or did we just change how we think about the sport? It didn't used to be. It didn't used to be quite like this. It really didn't. Yeah. You think that's mainly due to stage design? I mean, I think so. It's just think about how arrays are kind of. I, pe people will stuff more stuff closer together. I mean, we have just more people shooting high cap guns, more high cap gun stage designer that don't look at it from a low cap perspective to make it, to make sure the stage is interesting from a you know, with shooting a low cap gun, so. I mean, yeah, that's that's been the trend. It's taken a few years, but that's that's where it's gone. 
Do you think there's any other way to solve it except raise the capacity? Well, it's <laughs> no. I mean, realistically, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think yeah. the trend is going to change. I mean, we we should have uh, people pushing for better stages, but that starts from the top, and it's been pretty stagnant there for a few years, you know. But, sorry, <laughs> not. Joel, no. you're turned away in on this topic. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. Uh, it's also club dependent. Was I guess the thing I'd add. Some maybe some clubs have better stages, and maybe some clubs have lacking stages. So if you want to make a change, start at your club. I'm actually uh, Matt. I guess you haven't been to my club for a while, but I'm actually really happy with the the way things have turned at my club. Uh, I'll be real and say my club had area three light stages for a while. And uh, now they're really fun. Like, we introduced some other ideas for stage design, and the guys liked it, and that's been cool, because I think the stages at my, like, local club are better than they've ever been. Yeah. All right. I think that that's enough of that. Uh, Mr. Joel, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about a new feature on Training Group that I'm really excited about. Uh, we started having a drill of the month last month. Oh, you're not going to uh, talk about the porn thing? Oh, uh, for crying it's out loud. It's a joke, Joel. It's a joke for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, so we started Drill of the Month. It's introduced on the first Tuesday of every month, and it's discussed on the new podcast, Training Group Live. Uh, ben and Kim, we just had you guys on for the episode that dropped, what, this week? Uh, but we discuss a drill in the podcast, explain issues we see in classes, kind of break it down step-by-step, step, what you should be doing in your training, uh, what you should be looking at, what you're likely to have problems with. And there's a section in training group for the drill of the month. The guys, I mean, any level, whether you're bronze, silver, gold, doesn't matter. You can post videos, uh, share breakthroughs, and you get feedback from some really strong shooters on the site. So shooter A posts a video, hey, I'm doing this. What do you guys think? There's lots of strong people on that site. Somebody chimes in, hey, I saw this. Did you think about this? I learned this in my shooting. And it just kind of uh, group learning, which... Uh, for the first month, we had four aces, and I think it went over really, really well. There was a lot of guys. I mean, it was honestly everything from uh, a couple people changing their gear, like the way their their belt was set up, whether it was holster or mag pouches, changing the technique they used for I mean, everything, loading the gun, drawing, all that stuff. Um, so even if you're a bronze level member, there's a really good way to get feedback from other shooters on the forum, and uh, I think it's been a win. I'm excited about it. Mm -hmm. Yes, we get good interactions, a lot of information. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hey there. It's fun. Uh, and then Ben made a really good breakdown video also um, that I like. So then afterwards, like, hey, we're kind of, we're in the last, was it like the last week of four aces? So Ben just going through how he would train for it, breaking the drill down, and uh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, looking at your four aces uh, thing, there's... I mean, you have thousands of views on that thread, which is a lot for a training group thread, you know? There was easily over a couple thousand views, yeah, and a ton of posts, which was good, and the feedback was good. Guys were uh, enjoying it, and like I said, it's a, we pick a different drill every month, and uh, so it's a good way to, yeah. to push you, and maybe you want to post something really cool that looks good on Instagram in the, uh, in the chat, and uh, maybe it was good or maybe it wasn't. Either way, you get feedback on it. Yeah. Is the plan on that to have new drills or just kind of cycle through the old ones and then start some new ones or mix it up? It could be anything. We could put new drills. It could be, 
you know, proven drills that guys have been shooting for a while. Because there's always, at least in my shooting, there's always something to learn from it. So, especially as I've got better, you know, it's like you talk about like four aces at first. I'm like, man, I just need a fast draw and fast load. That was all that mattered, right? Because that looks good on Instagram. And then now, uh, thinking, man, that's not really as as flashy. But man, look at how his support hand locks on the gun after he loads the gun. That's awesome. So kind of your understanding of drills, I think, changes quite a bit um, in what you're looking for as you you know get more experience with shooting and training. Yes, I have a topic too. Yes. Please Let's tell me more, Mr. Kim. Yes. So this pretty much this is a real talk. Uh, oh everybody who trains gets mm -hmm. frustrated, mm -hmm. and especially right now with the ammo shortage, getting frustrated at the live session is going to be very detrimental not only wasting your ammo uh it's gonna hurt your ego and perhaps hurt your body and get not motivated all that stuff so i wanted to share a couple things that i do often to prevent that or once i hit that frustration rep level how i react uh, i think this this works really well for other shooters who i gave the, the advice so there's three different things I usually do. So basically we are all human and everybody's gonna go through that frustration phase, whether you have too much expectation or you're just not feeling good today, not not sleeping enough or lack of caffeine, all, all, all that stuff. So those things are the cues and you should, in a good day, you remember what you did or your life pattern. And when you have that frustrated uh, live fire session, even dry fire too. Like try to make a note of patterns. So whether if it's a physical thing, whether you're lacking chemical or you didn't smoke or you're going through caffeine diet or whatever, those kind of things. And then actually preventing it beforehand. So if you need to eat something or sugar level or those stuff before live fire and drinking enough water, those kind of things are pretty common. I think a lot of people already know that. But once you hit that, I think is pretty important. Of course, we are all human, so we're going to hit that one day. And then when you get frustrated, the first thing I would recommend is actually just focusing on one simple component. So let's, for example, let's say you're working on target transition, and let's say your gun's just not simply stopping on the right spot. And let's say you're sure, you're 100% sure your vision is looking at the right spot, uh, target focus shooting, etc and then assess the physical body part. So the first one to assess is a vision, if your vision is doing things correctly. And then the second one to assess is a physical body, tension especially. So just think about those two things first. And if your vision is failing, just focus on the vision part, looking at the right spot. And then the whole session, just maintain that on one specific component rather than doing multiple components. And that's a lot of the times overloading you with too many goals. So just having one focus, one goal is usually going to be able to help you less frustrated. And also that's not less beneficial either. By focusing on one thing only, you're going to be pushing on one sector more than you would with multiple components. So the vision is the first thing to check. And if your vision is fine, usually in for example, yeah, target transition is usually tension. So it could be definitely the shoulder tension could be the issue. Then just focusing on having, feeling that relaxed sensation of the shoulder, keeping the relaxed shoulder the whole time, rest of the session. So just focusing on one thing. And then the second thing you can do is just moving on. 
So if you are if you have an agenda to work on, hey, I'm going to work on this drill, this drill, this drill, or if you were to do this technique, that technique, that technique, just move on. Move on to the next technique. Don't just try to hammer through it and end up wasting ammo. That, that you're going to find you're going to get even more frustrated and also wasting time and ammo and all that stuff. And then the last one is either take a break. I don't know, maybe drink water and maybe take a five minute break or talk to your girlfriend or something or just leave the range. That's totally fine. Don't be afraid to just stay there and push through being stubborn and just stay two hours, finish your 500 rounds. It's usually better to just assess what you can improve. If there is not nothing really you can do, just go home. That's yeah. totally fine. I like that a lot. Thank you. Especially in the days of no ammo. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you a small little story that I'm sure you can guess the ending to. So I go to the I go to the range and I've got two drills I want to work on and the first one's accelerator. This is a few years ago, and I, the back target was always a struggle. I just I just wanted to hammer it. I was just predictive shooting, whatever. Well, it wasn't quite going the way I wanted to, and so I'm like, well, let's just work on this a little bit longer, and let's work on this a little bit longer, and the next thing you know, like. Basically, I'd spent my entire range trip there. I'd accomplished nothing except getting really frustrated that I was, like, not getting the results I wanted. So if I would have had Professor Kim there just say, like, hey, guess what? You're not going to get any better today. Take this home to dry fire and go work on something else. That probably would have been really productive. And one good news, in a way, is I can really say everybody gets frustrated at times. Even the pro, pro shooter or dominating shooter, whoever. So that doesn't make you give up because you got frustrated and have a failure day. It doesn't mean you're going to be failing to your goal. It just means everybody goes through that and you, you need to just learn how to go through that process. I like it. Very good advice. Thanks. You always give the best advice, Mr. Kim. All right, guys, let's move to a question. Ben, I'm looking for any vision tips you and the podcast crew can give for fine-tuning of picking a spot on the target to shoot. I've always had trouble picking a spot within the sea of brown to focus on for a given target. If I'm close enough to see the perforated A, that works, but the further away or if the lighting is bad makes it tougher. I end up looking at the available target zone, then estimating where the spot I visualized during the walkthrough is. I think the goal should be immediately transition my eyes to the spot, but working on this skill pretty hard and dry far lately, but without much luck. Um... Any help would be appreciated. I see the professor's ready to. Uh, yes. No, no, no. Kim, Kim's going to go nuts. But uh, I should say, like, this is one of the hardest things for people to do. It's really yeah, hard. Yes. Very challenging. And uh, yeah, so uh, the, the normal advice that, that a lot of people give is to mark the target with a spot uh, to, to help train your eye. Um, I'm not sure how much I love that. That's kind of a pretty short-term aid, I think, but, uh, it's something that people can do. Uh, I'm, I, I think I have a, I'm a big fan of dry firing at the actual shooting range. I think it is like, like this guy's pointing us way easier, uh, when the lighting is good. And I think when you're practicing doing this with the targets in depth, it's way different than in your house. I find way different. So I think dry firing at the range during your training sessions to work and working on only this issue is that's the strongest recommendation that I could make because then you're actually practicing it at the range with the lighting and the, and the stuff in depth. That's just my recommendation. Mr. Kim, I'm sure you have a lot more. Yes. 
So I, I can definitely agree with this person who gave the question because I was born with bad eyesight. My glasses is pretty terrible. I can't really get LASIK because of the complication. So I have one of the terrible, more, worst vision to start with the shooting. But that's not actually true. So in terms of like seeing the spot on the target, uh, don't think in terms of necessarily seeing the target or every target, seeing it clear. Depends on your eyesight. Just physically, it's not possible to see every target clear. For like, for example, me, 25-yard target, I cannot see it clear. It's just blurry because my eyesight's. But just think in terms of, I I give this advice to PSTG members a lot. Think in terms of zooming in, like a camera would zoom in and out out of focus. So this is I still do this exercise oftentimes uh, when I'm on the computer desk. Usually when I don't want to dry fire. I would just look at the target and have my uh, finger somewhere around where the iron sight will be. And then I would just look at the target and go to uh, finger and the target as sharp as possible. That's just basically exercising your zooming in and out muscle in your, in your eyes. You just simply zoom into the target or specific spot or marker as hard as possible. And that's it. Depends on your, again, depends on your eyesight. You may not see it as clear as possible, but that doesn't mean you just zoom out or in. You just zoom into that spot as hard as possible, squeezing your eyes almost in a way. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And you talk it is about, something that demands sorry. a lot of specific training. Exactly, yes. Yeah. Uh, one one exercise, sorry, sorry, one exercise I did a lot. This is actually, uh, it was posted on PSTG recently. Uh, this is mainly for developing tracking ability, but this actually helps for a zooming in component or hand-eye coordination thing. This is one of the exercises I do pretty often. Uh, I do with the gun, or I, but I recommend people try this without a gun. So point your index finger onto the marker or a target, and then try to move left to right. So when you move left to right to the target, you have to track it, right? Your finger has to follow the spot. And try two things. First, move left and right as you're focusing on the marker, and then try to have the index finger follow you. In that case, yeah, you're going to see double-visioned fingers, so you're going to have two fingers appear, blurry finger appear, and then try to have somewhere in the middle, so both target and the fingers out of focus, or just finger focus, so simulating front side focus. When you move left and right, you're going to see the blur, blurry target or blurry marker. You're going to immediately see the fingers not tracking properly. So target transition, hand-eye coordination in any situation. Hand-eye coordination, yes, by word, hand and eye. So that eye component, being able to zoom in as hard as possible and let the body follow you, that is one of the most important um, ability to develop in our sport. Yeah. All right. Like well, guys. You know what I have to say. This was another Bang Up podcast. Thank you all for coming on. Listeners, if you have a question, go to bensteger.com. Send me your questions. Uh, you know, we, have, we always love it.